0: Hello, this is Adrian Hendricks
1: and Jerry Hendricks of Say One More Now, Incorporated, where our focus is to lovingly confront all activities dishonoring human life created in the image of God. There is no greater dishonor to God and to human life than to reject His eternal salvation that is only available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us. Today and next week, we will take a long overdue look at the importance of men, husbands, and fathers, and the valuable role they alone have in the lives of their families and in society. God intended for men to be devoted to him first without defilement, then become husbands and fathers in that order.
0: This order is the good design of God and, if followed, exists for the benefit of society as well. Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines the word man as a male individual of the human race, a male adult of some uncommon qualifications, particularly the sense of strength, vigor, bravery, or masculine powers as distinguished from the weakness, timidity, or impotence of a boy. It is popular now to praise and extol the value of all things female at the expense of males. However, there is also a much-needed and growing recognition of men as undeniably unique and necessary. The writer of the Book of Hebrews, in making a point about the value of words spoken by a particular person, indicates that these words, which should be heeded, were from the Son of God. Quoting Psalm chapter 8, verses 4 through 6, the writer says that Hebrews chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. What is man that you take notice of him, or the son of man that you pay attention to him? You make him a little less than divine, but you crowned him with glory and honor. You gave him dominion over the work of your hands. You put all things under his feet. Yes, God did crown men with glory and honor. Through Moses, God instructed the people that inheritances to which they were entitled came from the father's family, along with authority, rights, and responsibility for protection of people in the family. It was important for the family name, which originated from the father, to be carried into future generations, References to laws supporting these concepts can be found in the Bible at Leviticus chapter 25, Numbers chapters 27 and 36, Deuteronomy chapters 21 and 25, 1 Samuel chapter 2, and Ruth chapter 4, among other places. There are many who would say the word man includes women. In a general sense, we agree, but there is a more specific meaning brought out in Hebrews chapter 2 verses 4 through 6 and verses 8 through 9 following. These passages pinpoint the man, Jesus. Now, when God put everything under him, he left nothing outside his control. However, at the present time, we do not yet see everything put under him, but we do see someone who was made a little lower than the angels. He is Jesus, who is crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might experience death for everyone. From
1: the beginning, God told the man and the woman he created to fill the earth with people and take dominion over the earth. At Genesis 1, verses 27 and 28, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth.
0: After the sin of Adam, God did not abandon humanity. He did not destroy them. Instead, he pronounced consequences to them both at Genesis chapter 3, verses 16-19. through 19. He said to the woman, I will increase your pain and your labor when you give birth to children, yet you will long for your husband, and he will rule you. Then he said to the man, You listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree, although I commanded you, you must never eat its fruit. The ground is cursed because of you. Through hard work, you will eat food that comes from it every day of your life. The ground will grow thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat wild plants. By the sweat of your brow, you will produce food to eat until you return to the ground because you were taken from it. You are dust, and you will return to dust." Having children would be painful for women, along with difficulty in their relationships with men. Working to simply eat would always be difficult for men because the ground would bring painful thorns along with edible plants, and this would continue until death. But redemptive elements were embedded in these pronouncements. The woman would continue to have children, and the men, well, let's see what happened. Undaunted by Adam's failure, God made a pronouncement to the snake regarding the offspring of the woman at Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I will place hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike you on the head, and you will strike him on the heel.
1: The man, Jesus, was specifically called out to accomplish the sacrificial work of God toward all humankind. Involvement of the woman was to bring forth the man. Women would have children, and one of them, the King James Version calls this one, the seed of the woman, would crush the head of the snake. Ever since that time, descendants of the snake have been trying to destroy both men and women with frontal and subtle attacks. Just in case you haven't noticed, there has been a concentrated worldwide effort to eliminate Christianity. Why? because the foundation of all successful and peaceful societies is the man, Jesus Christ. In the process of doing research for this message, we found several sources outlining strategies to destroy the family for the purpose of destroying human society as a collection of independent, self-directed individuals. The enemies of God intended to turn people made in God's image into mindless, soulless animals that are herded, bred, and consumed as commodities. We saw that some of the stated objectives were to gain control of institutions such as government, media, and even churches, to convince men and women to have continual hostility among themselves, Convince people to destroy their marriages. Convince people to engage in multiple casual sexual liaisons at first between men and women, then among the same sexes, eventually teaching children to do the same. Convince women to leave care of their children to others. Convince women to demand and have abortions. Convince people that hordes of fatherless children was a good thing convince people to downplay and eliminate differences between men and women, convince women to drive fathers from families, convince people to demand that the government protect them because once men are effectively removed, the only real protection for women and children from the government that will use them all for its purposes is
0: gone. Entire nations have been subjected to these assaults for some time now. Some have managed to crawl out from under the siege, and some others have succumbed. Many, however, seem well on the way to the conclusion these demonic engineers had in mind. All of these plans are working to eliminate institutions that hold societies together by first destroying families and by association the church. They deny the existence of God and the validity of the Bible, but the Bible says this about that kind of destruction at Psalm chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. Look, the wicked have bent their bow and placed their arrow on the string to shoot from the darkness at the upright in heart. When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do?
1: Does any of this sound familiar? Those who are considered baby boomers born between 1946 and 1964 may remember when some of these changes began to appear. We were stunned to see that the enemy had laid out and followed such a clear playbook for the destruction of what God made but we shouldn't have been. Take a look around. Do you see any of this taking place in your families, neighborhoods, cities, and states today? Not only are the voices still common, but many heterosexual people are choosing to live together without the benefit of marriage Confused about their sexuality, other people of the same sex are setting up so-called marriages and families not only imposing this on children they may adopt because they cannot naturally reproduce, but insisting that people can change their gender with surgical mutilation based on feelings. There are more children growing up especially in minority communities and one-parent families than there are with both a mother and a father present. One of the most prevalent problems in communities is gangs, mostly comprised of fatherless boys. We are hearing more as the days go on about human trafficking which involves children falling into the hands of worldwide pedophile networks. The wicked plan seems to be gaining some success.
0: In their book, The Boy Crisis, Warren Farrell and John Gray ask the question, why are dads so important? Here are a few of the impacts they published, which we bring to you by permission. School Achievement. A study of boys from similar backgrounds revealed that by the third grade, the boys whose fathers were present scored higher on every achievement test and received higher grades. School Dropouts. The more years children spend with no or minimal father involvement, the fewer years of school they complete. 71% of high school dropouts have minimal or no father involvement. Suicide. Living in a home without a dad is more highly correlated with suicide among children and teenagers than any other factor. Drugs. Father involvement is at least five times more important in preventing drug use than closeness to parent, parental rules, parent trust, or strictness, and is a stronger determining factor than the child's gender, ethnicity, or social class.
1: Homelessness. Around 90% of runaway and homeless youths are from fatherless homes. Victimization. Children between 10 and 17 living without their biological dad were more likely to be victims of child abuse, major violence, sexual assault, and domestic violence. Violent crime. Every 1% increase in fatherlessness in a neighborhood predicts a 3% increase in adolescent violence. Rape. Among rapists who were specifically assessed as raping out of anger and rage, 80% came from father-absent homes. Poverty and Mobility Children who were born poor and raised by both married parents had an 80% chance of moving to the middle class or above. Conversely, children who were born into the middle class and raised without a married dad were almost four times as likely to end up considerably poor. TRUST The more contact children have with their dads, the more easily they make open, receptive, and trusting contact with new people in their lives. EMPATHY The amount of time a father spends with a child is one of the strongest predictors of the child's ability to empathize in adulthood. The reason this is a crisis with the boy population is that boys grow up to be men, husbands, and fathers. And absent fathers or abusive fathers exemplify an absent or abusive heavenly father. Men, husbands, fathers, we cannot and we must not let this continue. Fathers, we are needed more right now than ever before. Our families, our homes, and our societies are being destroyed right before our eyes. But as terrible as all these things are, they are not the real end game. The end game is to separate us from our rightful place with God as His children and His image-bearers to rule and reign with Him. Some think everyone is a child of God. Although the invitation to be a child of God is extended to everyone, the designation is limited to those who are in Christ and led by the Spirit of God as described at Romans
0: 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death.
1: Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it.
0: For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the Spirit of Sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father! The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory.
1: Paul explains this relationship further at Galatians 4 verses 1 through 7. Now, what I am saying is this, as long as an heir is a child, he is no better off than a slave, even though he owns everything. Instead, he is placed under the care of guardians and servant managers until the time set by the father. It was the same way with us. While we were children, we were slaves to the basic principles of the world. But when the appropriate time had come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, and thus to adopt them as his children. Now, because you are his children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts to cry out, Abba, Father! So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if you are a child, then you are also an heir because of what God did.
0: Of course the enemies of God do not want us with God as his children. They have had their fate revealed to them and to us at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we will judge angels, let alone ordinary matters?
1: It is no wonder the enemy has desperately worked to destroy us from antiquity. Of course, none of this caught God off guard. There is a solution, however, and we can find it in the Word of God. First, we must remember what Romans 8, 31-39 says. What then can we say about all of this? If God is for us, who can be against us? The one who did not spare his own son but offered him as a sacrifice for all of us surely would give us all things along with his son, won't he? Who will accuse God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is the one to condemn? It is the Messiah Jesus who is interceding on our behalf. He died and, more importantly, has been raised and is seated at the right hand of God. Who will separate us from the Messiah's love? Can trouble, distress, persecution, hunger, nakedness, danger, or a violent death do this?
0: As it is written, for your sakes we are being put to death all day long. We are thought of as sheep headed for slaughter. In all these things we are triumphantly victorious due to the one who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor anything above, nor anything below, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is ours in union with the Messiah, Jesus our Lord.
1: Knowing that God is for us, we should arm ourselves to either turn to God, our Creator, or return to Him with all our hearts, minds, souls, and strength. The law was given to men and women, but the greatest responsibility was assigned to men, the fathers, the leaders, to obey them so everyone else would obey by their example. For the most part, men, who are usually also fathers, carry the weight of protection and provision for their families. However, now we are in the time and place God said through the prophet that the law would be written upon the hearts in Jeremiah 31
0: But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people and echoed at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 15 through 18. The Holy Spirit also assures us of this, for he said, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and will write them on their minds, and I will never again remember their sins and their lawless deeds. Now where there is forgiveness of these sins, there is no longer any offering for sin.
1: There are more remedies and counter-strategies available to us as Christian leaders, the family coaches. First, we men must repent. Repentance means to have real penitence, sorrow or deep contrition for sin as an offense and dishonor to God, and to have a change of mind or a conversion from sin to God that brings about an end to sinful offenses. Second, we men must continually be in prayer. To pray is to worship, to address God with all reverence, with adoration, confession of sins, supplication for mercy, and thanksgiving for blessings received. Prayer is the most important weapon available to us, yet it is often the most underutilized. Third, we men must saturate ourselves in the Word of God, the Bible, and then lead our families through the Word of God. According to Bible teachers Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, the Father's great duty is given at Deuteronomy 11, verses 18 through 21. Therefore you shall lay up these, my words, in your minds, in hearts, and in your entire being, and bind them for a sign upon your hands and as a forehead band between your eyes. And you shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you rise up. And you shall write them upon the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, as long as the heavens are above the earth. Bible teacher John Gill says these verses mean we are to treasure up the Word of God delivered to them in their minds, retain them in their memories, and cherish a cordial affection for them, which would be an antidote against apostasy, idolatry, and a myriad of other sins. Men, husbands, and fathers, Jesus Christ is our only hope. For him to be real to our families and loved ones, he must first be real to us. Think about it. Fathers, we need you.
0: We at Save One More Now Incorporated encourage all listeners to seek the Lord for his calling on your life. If you faithfully spend time with him throughout the day, you will come to know without a doubt that he really loves you and he has a purpose for your being here. We can be reached by email at truelife at saveonemorenow.org or our telephone number in the United States, 850-727-0493. We look forward to joining you next week and ask you to remember, Life
1: is good. God gives life. God is good.